0: EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash inside EMS.
1: Inside EMS, and I'm your host, Kelly Grayson, and with me, as always, my buddy, my pal, the guy, Chris Ciballero. Chris Chris, come on in here.
0: I mean that that was a pretty good impersonation, Kelly. I mean, we said let's do your best Chris Sabolera impersonation, and uh, I gotta tell you, I, I had to look around to see where the hell I was.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to channel my inner carnival barker. That's what. Nice. It is. Step right that, up, folks. Step right up. and Listen to the podcast. Is
0: that what you think? I'm a carnival barker?
1: No, 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 man. You are an industry leader and professional.
0: Oh, how you about that? You just sound like a carnival
1: that. barker sometimes.
0: I'm going to have to send you that $20, <laughs> man. That's really awesome. So what's going well, on with I you? I need
1: $20 to make you holler, so.
0: <laughs> I get paid to do the wild thing. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> so what's going on, man? How are things?
1: Oh, man, it's just, uh, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, just got back from uh, from Saratoga Springs, New York, doing a little seminar up there for uh, uh, for a client and um, had had a great Uh, Great time up there and uh, spent a night in New Orleans uh, after we got back. So got to see uh, New Orleans being New Orleans, you know, Uh, great food and uh, great but weird people.
0: You know, one of the things that's interesting about New Orleans is, you know, we were there right before the uh, hurricane, of course, Katrina. And after the hurricane kind of decimated the whole city, the only thing that I can give critique on is that it raises the prices almost two hundred percent of all that great food. You used to yeah. be able to go into the French Quarter and you used to be able to eat. You used to be able to get a po' boy sandwich for like three fifty four dollars, and that would feed you for the whole day. Yeah. And now, as people had to rebuild, it affected the costs and you know you're still getting i got to tell you new orleans gives you some of the most amazing food in the world mm-hmm. but but now it's not as uh, economical as it used to be and now you're paying for that great food uh, and rightfully so i guess
1: oh yeah and i i, I jump right off the diet train um when you're in new orleans it's hard to it's hard to uh, eat healthy um, and I'll, I'll not be back there for, for quite some time. So I figured I would, uh, I would splurge. So I hit my oysters and my gumbo and my turtle soup and, and, uh, cafe au lait and, and beignets at cafe Demond and, and, uh, just, just yeah. indulged.
0: Well, that's, I mean, it's, well, it's good that you don't get, I mean, when we travel, I mean, for us to go off our diets and, and eat some of that food, if we're only there once a year, I, it's once a year. But, you know, Cafe Du Monde, all those places are just iconic. I don't like going oh, yeah. there because their, their coffee has chicory in it. It's it's a chicory coffee. I don't like it.
1: Yeah, but it's uh if you I've discovered that if you flavor it with enough milk and sugar <laughs> then it doesn't taste like coffee anymore. It's palatable.
0: I see, I see. So it's not really coffee anymore. It's <laughs> that's a, how I have a sugar coffee, watery man. substance.
1: I, yeah, I'm not a coffee drinker. It's loaded with so much darn sugar. Um uh, Brian Fast would would have a heart attack just watching me mix a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about Brian uh, last week. We need to get him on the phone and get him back on the show to talk about uh, keeping up on our 2018 goals of weight loss. But uh, yeah. you know, one of the things that you and I had chatted about is you know what we're going to talk. We we kind of set out the you know the topics for the show, and there was a article written by EMS One staff on January 17th. Six baffling calls EMS providers have responded to. Staff went on Facebook, and they asked uh, the social media tribe to describe a call that has baffled them. There were six responses, and and we were reading it, and it uh, (laughs) kind of gave us the opportunity to say, let's go ahead and talk about them and see how we would have handled it. But call number six, I'll give you the first one. Call number six was a severely altered mentation, 40-ish male, arrived to find him. Severely jaundiced to the point that his eyes nearly glowed. They were so yellow. Noticed black eyes, severe bruising, older bruises everywhere, but especially to the torso and back. Relatives state that he came home badly beaten a week ago in (laughs) altercation. After leaving the bar, he refused to name the people responsible, would not seek medical attention for his injuries, said he started turning yellowish three to four uh, days earlier, and became confused and combative. He ultimately died in the ED from liver-kidney failure, secondary to injuries from the beating. Strangest thing I ever saw that came from Debbie Thomas, and you know one of the things is that we we see a lot of times, man, is that people will get into physical altercations and they don't seek care. Oh yeah, and uh, and sometimes terms, they
1: do need to seek care and are too stupid or drunk to uh, to um, uh, to seek it.
0: Well, let me ask you this question, Kelly, because there is you know when I worked for a couple of EMS systems, we had to address the drunk patient not being able to give consent and we had to really either get them uh, taken into police custody to get them to the hospital so if we think that someone has severe injuries and they refuse care how do we go ahead now and get them the care they need do we just say oh well it's your life do what you want to do
1: well first of all there's no law against being stupid uh, and and stupid people are, are honestly our our bread and butter uh, and nobody expects you uh, well uh, hopefully n- your employers don't expect you to take a, a butt whooping to bring somebody to the hospital uh, I had a similar situation where a guy was picked up at a at a bar by some supposed friends and then thrown out on the road and beaten with a motorcycle chain and a baseball bat and he was lying naked in the road um, I mean beaten to a pulp face all mashed up uh, cuts and bruises all over him he just looked like hell um and would not go to the hospital and he said quote uh there's going to be a second fight if you put your hands on me and try to take me to the hospital and you know what do you do with a guy like that cops just stand there looking at him bemused and wanted me to check him out and not he won't even let me check him out uh so you know i fell back on my my uh my premise of, you know, present mental capacity, did he have, despite his drunkenness, did he have the capacity to refuse care? Uh, And he did. You know, he proved it well. Uh, I asked him, I said, all right, dude, I'm not going to fight you to take you to the hospital, but you need to go. You probably have facial fractures at the very least. You may even be bleeding into your brain and, and not wake up tomorrow. Um, so I need to hear you say that you understand the risks as I've explained them to you. Um, right here in front of this police officer who happened to, you know, be wearing a body camera. And he said, uh, he said, I understand my face might be fractured. I might be bleeding into my brain. I'm a big boy. I'm okay. I ain't going to the hospital with you and you're going to have to fight me to take me. So, all right, well, you got that officer. Right. And, and I asked the guy, you know, I said, dude, at least make me make me feel more comfortable about leaving you here uh, that you know what's going on around you. I said, you know where you are right now? He said, hell no. I said, well, you're not starting off real well. He said, well, hold on, hold on. Tell me, tell me what street I'm on. And I told him what street he's on, and he looked to his right, and he said, well, such and such a street is over there. Uh, the bar is three blocks that way. My house is such and such a street. It's uh, two blocks to my left and a block up. And, I mean, he was just rock solid. Reliable, but he was drunker than Cooter Brown. What do you do in that situation? You document as best you can, you know, and explain to your to your QIC later. Uh, yes, I did get a refusal on the naked guy who was beaten to a pulp with a baseball bat and a motorcycle chain. Read my narrative, and you'll see why. Um, but yeah, you know, we can't make people do the 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 best thing for them. Sometimes you just cover yourself as best you can. All right, fraternal twins in their early twenties. Had both been stabbed multiple times. Um, knowing my experience as a twin, maybe they stabbed each other. <laughs> but they were in trauma bays side by side, uh, and their heart rates stayed the same the entire time. If one's heart rate changed, the other one changed seconds later to the same number as the other twin. And that was from Shannon Fagan. Um, yeah, the relationship between twins is is pretty pretty uh, odd, man. And, and even you know, fraternal twins are not as as. Uh, Uh, this isn't as pronounced, uh, as in identical twins, but even in fraternal twins, like I was, um, uh, there's some weird stuff, you know, my sister and I could not have been two different people looks and personality wise, uh, from each other yet. I could think something and start to say it and she could complete my sentence. Uh, and and that went on pretty much all our lives, even after we drifted apart and we were kind of estranged from each other the last 10, 15 years of her life. But uh, she, uh, you know, I knew when something was going on with Kim and Kim would know when something was going on with me. It's, it's weird that way. Um, but you ever you ever experienced anything like that?
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, I had a friend that was in the air force, and uh, he was an identical twin, and his brother was in the air force as well at another base, and we were coming back from lunch. It, it was actually when Bon Jovi's "Slippery When Wet" it came out in uh. 1986, and of course we're singing and you know getting all into it, you know, because that was a big album back then, you know, oh, yeah. and uh, and uh, he stopped singing and he he got really pensive. And this was about a couple miles as we were getting ready to come through the base. And then when we stopped at uh, our work, he said, I got to go call my brother. Something's happened. And he called his brother, and his brother was just in a car accident. And he felt that something was wrong with his brother, and he had to call him to find out what was going on. And his brother was on his way to the hospital. He was going through a light. He got hit broadside. He was okay, but he knew something was up.
1: Yeah, I... um uh, when when my sister died, um, I got the call the next morning from my my older sister, um, and uh, she said she had uh, drowned uh, swimming in in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, but. Um, Uh, The night before I would, uh, or the the morning before I'd been sleeping at the station and uh, just woke up out of a sound sleep and could not go back to sleep. Didn't, you know, something was, uh, I couldn't put a finger on it, but uh, something woke me up and I just could not get back to sleep. And and looking back at the, uh, at the time differential, uh, it was almost uh, probably about the same time she, uh, she drowned, but that's one of those weird, weird things,
0: man. You know, my, um, my mom, my mom actually did that to me. I was, I was, uh, again, going back to my military days and I was, I was a little bit crazy and I would get in a lot of, uh, uh
1: I just want to know, did you have the hair? Did you have like the big hair in the eighties when you, you well, a bon the, Jovi fan? Did no,
0: you? I was in the air force. So I, uh, you know, so I had, uh, I had, so, a, so I, had l- I had shoulder, I had shoulder, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had shoulder length hair before I went in the military and then I kept my hair in a flat top for a lot of years. And, uh. But I was in a car accident, and uh, I wasn't buckled. And my head spidered the windshield. My chin hit the steering wheel, when I came off the off the windshield. And I didn't go to the hospital. And I was in I was in my bed. And my body was hurt, man. I was just and I wasn't going fast. And uh, but my mom called me and said, "It's exactly what she said to me. How did you get hurt? Wow, yeah, it was really bad." Let's go to number. Th- let's go to number four. So. The first time I got baffled was on a call for epitaxis. Senior citizen, blood thinner, high blood pressure. It was actually pretty severe. On the way to the hospital, she began bleeding from her eyes. Oy. I was a brand new EMT at the time and trying to maintain a poker face. Turns out she had elevated blood pressure, and the blood thinners caused her blood to puncture membranes, separating those cavities. It wasn't a Ebola or anything. And that <laughs> comes from Scott Davis. Yeah, that would. I'd, I've never seen that, man. So that would kind of uh, baffle Stimata. the heck out of me. <laughs> yes, right. That would baffle the heck out of me. If I saw someone starting to bleed from their eyes, I would think it was a second coming.
1: Oh, yeah. And I, I've seen someone bleed from their eyes before, and this was a guy who, uh, who was um, on angel dust uh, on PCP and meth and, and everything, and the doctor refused to sedate him. Uh, and basically let him uh, thrash and fight his way into rhabdo and, and eventually DIC, and he chewed his tongue off. Um, that was fun intubating him. I had to take over uh, and, and intubate the guy uh, when the doc couldn't get it. But um, he bled from, when he got DIC, he bled from everything, uh, every orifice. Uh, he was bleeding from his penis where we put the foley and he was bleeding from every IV site where we stuck every venipuncture site he was bleeding from his lacrimal ducts uh it was it was truly freaky stuff uh and the fact that he managed to chew his tongue off while while no one was looking uh the tip of his tongue off uh didn't didn't help matters any that was a bloody mess in the airway but bleeding from the eyes you know that's that's straight out of a horror movie you know (laughs)
0: that's right (laughs) <laughs> do, 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 do. Stop it. You're scaring me. You're scaring me. Yeah, I mean I I would I would think that if I saw that happen and I've never been in that position, I think that would freak me out a little bit. You know, I can't say that even in the uh even in, you know, the textbooks does it say if someone has truly high blood pressure that they're going to bleed from their eyes? Uh no, I don't know, man. Just...
1: Maybe sneezed or something and, and, uh, and ruptured something, you know, or some change in intracranial pressure or whatever.
0: I don't know. Scott Davis, I'm going to go back to the point of saying it was Ebola.
1: Yeah, it was Ebola. Scott, you must be immune, brother.
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) Number three, unconscious and unresponsive patients with great vitals and no previous history. You ever run into one of those where someone apparently just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, faking it or whatever, or, or yeah. someone who just had absolutely no history. it just suddenly looks like death on a cracker.
0: I did, uh, you know, I, you talk about faking, you know, we see that all the time and I'm a, I'm oh, a, yeah. I'm a hand drop guy, you know? So anytime yeah. someone who's unconscious, the first thing I want to do before you get into the sternal rub, you know, you do the, Hey buddy, you're okay. You're okay. But before I inflict the pain, I go ahead and take their hand and hold it above their head. And if their hand hits them in the face, they're unconscious. If their hand falls I... behind their head, yeah. they are not. A... So I was in, actually went to the uh, city jail, and there was a guy on the floor uh, having a, uh, an interesting seizure. So I took his hand and held it above his head, and it fell right behind his head. So I said, and he was a pretty good size, and I said to the guy, almost kneeled down and whispered in his ear, I said, now, they don't know you're faking but I know you're faking. So if you get on the stretcher, I'll take you to the hospital. And he got up and got on the stretcher. <laughs>
1: I, uh, um, I, I, I've done the hand drop test back in the day and, and used to do it all the time. Uh, and then one day I picked up somebody's arm uh, wearing one of these big, convenience store wristwatches you've seen the ones that like 1995 and it looks like big Ben. (laughs) it looks like flavor Flaves clock that he hangs around his neck just strapped to somebody's wrist you know and i dropped the guy's arm and it fell flat on his face and bloodied his nose and i had to explain that at the hospital it's like i guess he really was unconscious um well you don't let his hand
0: hit him in the face you let it fall to the side of his face where his forearm hits his face
1: well i mean it's yeah okay it hit him but uh, mine was was a uh, <clears throat> a twelve passenger van uh, going to the local uh, poultry processing plant, uh, full of their workers. And these vans had a really unsavory reputation because uh, uh, the local businesses hated them uh, because they unloaded a convenience store to stock up for food for the day, and they would uh, they would shoplift uh, the stores just. Uh, blind, um, but this van rolled over. Uh, just a simple low speed rollover. It just went into a ditch and turned over on its side, um, literally within sight of the ambulance station. Um, uh, Twelve passenger van. We have fifteen pass. Uh, we have fifteen patients. Uh, because it just happened that it, it happened in the front parking lot of a uh, 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 low-income housing uh, complex. And several of the uh, residents of the housing complex went and laid in the ditch to pre- and pretended to be injured in the accident. Uh, and I had one guy who had not a mark on him. I knew who the guy was. I saw him walking up and down the street uh, all the time. And I know darn well he wasn't in that van. But he was lying in the in the ditch holding his breath. Uh and, and you know, not responding. He didn't respond to a sternum rub or anything else. But I'll tell you what he did respond to. Uh when I put the laryngoscope blade in his mouth and just kinda offhandedly said, Boy, if this guy knew how many dead people's mouths this, this blade had been in, he'd quit this. Uh boy, he woke up. He woke up quick. <laughs> yeah. He was not happy either.
0: I bet, I bet. All right, number two. Oh, Gentleman
1: who'd been consuming alcohol all day long and feeling the rep- repercussions of his decisions called in for an unresponsive mail. We get on scene and he requests EMS to go get him a Gatorade. That was from Vanessa, uh, Vanessa Bosch. Uh, yeah, I uh, went hey, out, man, I... could you go get me a Gatorade and some ibuprofen?
0: So I got a call for a lady one time who was, she was hot. She was sweaty She said that she felt like uh, she had a fear of impending doom. That was kind of how it came out. So we got on scene, and the patient asked us to turn up her thermostat because she couldn't get off the couch to uh, make it cooler in her house. Oh, my God. Uh you know, we used to get calls like that at the little small-town
1: mom-and-pop ambulance service I worked for. It was never something that egregious, um, but it, it was basically the worried well, and uh, it was one of our frequent flyer patients. And, and she was a very, very sweet lady uh, and uh, who had legitimate medical problems. You could always tell. When it was uh, come, come, comfort me versus come treat me, uh, because she would call, uh, we didn't even have 911 in those days, so she would call our emergency line and say she was having problems breathing, and the dispatcher could say, Miss Clara, uh, how bad are you having problems breathing? And if Miss Clara said, oh, it's really bad, then get right over there. Uh, but if she said, oh, it's not that bad. If y'all could just take time to come, come over and check on me when y'all get a moment, well, then we'd stop by the grocery store and we'd buy some pecan sandies and some sugar-free ice cream. And we'd come over there and, and eat some ice cream and, and cookies with her and program her uh, her uh, um, TV and, and stuff so she could watch her Jerry Springer
0: episodes. <laughs>
1: That sort of thing.
0: Man, that, sounds, uh, but, that sounds like a soap opera in itself.
1: But it was a, it was a, you know, yeah, lesbian midget stripper dwarves and the and the priests who love them. Uh, next on Jerry Springer. <laughs> 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 but, um, uh, but it was, you know, it was a welcome res- uh, respite from the day, and we'd we'd sit down and. and and get to uh visit with this lady and she was you know she was one of our dearest patients so didn't didn't bother us and i kind of miss that sort of thing you know and in small town ems uh, uh slow enough that that you could actually do that sort of thing with your uh, with your patients uh, i had the
0: original sorry. community paramedicine right there
1: yeah you know it kind of it it makes you uh makes you grateful for uh for what you can do you know
0: and but, i don't know how this worked out but i got the number one uh baffling <laughs> call but uh i don't know that i feel comfortable reading it but my very first call after my third ride in EMS was a 42-year-old male who purposely cut off his penis because the internet told him that cutting it off and sewing it back would make sex better that comes from Paul Bernard Jr. and I got to tell you I mean I, I I'm surprised that in my career how many people I've had to I think it's 3 that I had to run calls on because they decided to mutilate their own, uh, private areas. And,
1: uh, Ugh, no, not, thank God, not me.
0: Uh, you know, and it's like, it's on the floor and you kick it to your partner. You pick it up. Now he kicks it back. No, you pick it up. You kick it back. No, you pick it up. So, uh, but it's just one of those things that, uh, there was actually a guy, uh, in Ohio who went into the emergency room and he said that the ghost of his father, Told him that he needed to cut off his member. The ER said no, but they didn't do anything about it. So he wound up finding scissors, went into the oh, ER bathroom. do oh, stop! Don't do describe it anymore. No, I'm cringing. But the story gets happy place. The story gets so much better. He does the deed. He gets back in his car. He drives downtown. So this is a, probably a fifteen-minute drive. And he crashes into a house due to the blood loss. This second part, I don't know, I can't corroborate. It just comes from my friend who happened to be in the surgery who was assisting in the surgery. This was a, an Air Force uh, base. And before they put the guy under, my friend says, he whispers to him, he goes, This is your dad. I was just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We, we laughed about that for a lot of years, man. <laughs> oh my God.
1: I've, No, I've, I've never, uh, never had one of those, you know, I, uh, cut off, purposely cut off his penis because the internet said it would make sex better. Um, well, you know, uh.
0: I'll take the zero you know, on that never, one. I'll just, never, yeah, yeah,
1: never believe everything that you uh, never believe anything that you see on the internet. I believe I, uh, Abraham Lincoln said that. I actually. think
0: it was Mark Twain. I think <laughs> Mark <laughs> Twain. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, I, I have had some some weird ones with uh, um, never, never the penis cut off thing. Oh my God! Uh, I found six thousand dollars in a crown royal bra- bag under a woman's breast once. Um,
0: I don't know that that's uh, baffling I think we know that yeah. where that came from but, uh,
1: but. We used to have a guy who, who would call uh, and ask us to massage his prostate uh, he had he had urinary retention and, and a very enlarged uh, uh, prostate, benign prostatic hypertrophy. And he would say, uh, you know, when I go into my primary care doctor, he milks my prostate for me and I could pee and, and it's not so painful. Uh, I really don't have to go to the hospital if y'all could do that for me. <laughs> That's probably the only time in recorded history where I've been glad to say sorry sir that's not in my scope of
0: practice i don't have a protocol for that
1: you bring him into the hospital to the to the most arrogant resident you find you say got a present for you doc
0: that's right you know so you know i think that the one of the things about ems though is that we come across these calls that are Mm -hmm. baffling we come across these calls that are funny we come across these calls that really, I think, make the job kind of uh, enjoyable because, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of times people just don't really know that what they have is not an emergency, yeah. and uh, but they feel that it is. And, and, and it gives us these chuckles and it gives us these – you know, I, I don't know. I think it I think it recharges our EMS batteries when we have to deal with some of these things that uh, amuse us uh, that we find. And uh, But, you know, really interesting. And this is one of those topics that can go on and on and on. So if you have one of these baffling calls, go mm-hmm. ahead and comment on the links below and let's hear yours. <sighs> and uh, if it's something that comes up, maybe we even uh, start off a show every now and again with some of these baffling discussions, these baffling calls. And we discuss it, Kelly. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I, for one, uh, am am glad to have a a respite from the the bad news and just to to share a war story or two and a chuckle. Um, But we'd like to hear what our our listeners
0: think. Uh, Now, hang on, hang um, on, hang on. uh, All right. You got to do that one? Uh, I think I got to do the closing. You did the opening, so I got to do the closing. But, hey, that's what we think, and we like to hear what you think. So uh, go ahead and send us your questions, comments, concerns to the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And uh, I'm Kelly Grayson, and from my co-host Chris Sabolaro, the sweetest smelling man in EMS, we'll catch you guys next week.
1: Oh, you need to work on it, man. You need to work on it. (laughs)